Welcome back on YouTube, on Instagram, on TikTok. We're back again this week with an awesome teaching series. I just spent the weekend in California, and while I was there, the Lord had really stirred me up to preach on a topic that I haven't covered yet. I've covered topics pertaining to sin and the destruction that sin brings in people's lives, but I haven't covered specific sins as deeply as I would like. And tonight, I'm going to cover one of three sins that we're going to go into detail about this week that will single-handedly destroy your life. And the fact that you're even watching this right now, you're going to get the truth of God's word instilled inside of you so that you are not one of the many people that fall into these sins. Tonight, we're going to be talking about alcohol and what the Bible says about drunkenness and what the Bible says about alcohol in general, about how terrible it is for you. You know, you'll listen to a lot of Christians that will preach uh, 99 reasons why the Bible says it's okay to drink alcohol. But very rarely anymore do you hear preachers preach on why you should abstain completely from alcohol. You know, there was a time of prohibition, even in the United States, I believe it was either during or right after the Second Great Awakening, which was the second greatest move of God in America. It actually helped to establish what America is, or I should say was, as a nation, and what it'll come back to be in Jesus' name. Amen. But during that time, there was actually prohibition laws that the power of God was moving so powerfully in people's lives and in the nation as a whole that it was able to kick the spirit of alcohol out of the country for a certain amount of time, or at least out of certain states, I should say. Now, not only is alcohol accepted in just about every single area of every single state in the United States, it's almost endorsed even to Christians. And it's so much endorsed that it's gone beyond alcohol into marijuana, into psychedelics, into cocaine, into methamphetamines. Even in certain states, they have sections where people can go and legally do heroin, which is one of the deadliest, if not the deadliest drugs that are in America today. So you see how it starts with a little bit. You know, the Bible says, give no foothold to the devil. So when you even create an inch for the devil to move in somebody's life, He'll always take a mile. So that's why I want to preach tonight on the terrible effects of alcohol and why you as a Christian should run in the absolute opposite direction of alcohol in general. Totally in general. But before I get into that, I want to tell you guys some updates about the ministry, about Revival Way. Now, we are seeing awesome progress in the ministry. We're seeing more people given to the ministry than ever before. We're seeing more people touched by the ministry than ever before. I literally had a close friend of mine's grandma. She's probably watching right now. Barb, if you're watching, I love you so much. Uh, she sent me some banana bread recently because she's been so blessed by the teachings. So we're seeing amazing things happen right now with what it is that God is doing through this ministry. But like I've mentioned over the past couple of weeks, we're just getting started. Last year, we reached over 150 million people with the gospel and with preaching. And my goal is to reach over 200 million people through social media, <clears throat> excuse me, and through in-person evangelism. And it's going to happen. It's definitely going to happen. We're only at the beginning right now. So let me tell you what we're doing really quickly. Currently, on if you're on YouTube, you're going to be able to see this. I'm going to throw it up. 
on the screen for you, but if you're on Instagram, you're not going to be able to see it. Right now, nope, that's the wrong one. Oh, no. There it is. <laughs> All right. If you're on YouTube right now, you can see what I just put up on the screen. This is our next big event. I haven't made it public until right now that we're having a massive New Year's event. It's going to be a New Year's revival that we're doing with Activation Church out here in Orange City, Iowa at the Triple Box. If, uh, if you're on Instagram, you'll see as I post continuously about it as the day comes. You're going to have the information to go. If not, you can go watch on YouTube. I have it on the screen right now. As you can see on the screen on YouTube, to launch off the year, 2022, we're doing three days of revival meetings in Iowa so that you can start your year right. As a matter of fact, the past 10 months of 2021 could have been terrible for you, but there's nothing too far gone that God can't take what the devil meant for evil and flip it for good in your life right now. And if 2020 was a rough year for you, if 2021 was a rough year for you, I'm telling you right now, we're going to start off 2022 as the best year that you've ever had. The best year that you've ever had. You come to these meetings, you're going to be touched by a powerful move of God. If you need healing or a miracle in your body, you will receive it. Jesus is a healer. He's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. There are going to be three powerful, powerful services Friday night, Saturday night, and Sunday morning, December 31st, January 1st, and January 2nd. New Year's Revival Meetings. So, if you want to be a part of that, as you can see on the screen on YouTube right now, you can come and join us for that. Also, here, maybe I'll put Venmo stuff on here. I know people are going to want to know how they can give to it. You can give toward uh, these revival events through the different ways that you see on your screen. Boom. On Instagram, you can see Venmo is at Revival Way. Cash App is dollar sign Revival Way. And PayPal is at Revival Way as well. So anyone that wants to see the state of Iowa shaken, you want to see the Midwest shaken by the power of God, those are the different ways that you can sow. So as you see on your screen, also, I'm going to put up what it is that we're doing right now going into the Christmas season. I've always had this crazy dream to feed hungry kids. Ever since I was very, very young, I've always wanted to feed hungry kids in Africa. And I always make a joke now because uh, my good friend Stephen and his wife Shan are so close with me that I get to feed Africans like every day now. But they don't really count because they're in America. I've always wanted to feed hungry kids. And now, if you guys know, if you're already partnered with the ministry or you've given to the ministry before, we feed 25 kids every day with this ministry by the grace of God. It's amazing. We also help support eight other ministries out of Revival Way to help them go and win souls to help them feed the hungry and preach the gospel. We're partnered with eight other ministries. But I have something very special that we're going to do this Christmas. And if you want to be a part of it, this is how you can join me. I partner with a group called Feed the Hungry. That's who we feed the kids with every single day. And they're doing this massive Christmas celebration for these kids where they're going to put on a big Christmas event. They're preaching the gospel to them. They're feeding them during Christmas. There's going to be presents, the whole thing. They're giving them a Christmas experience in these other nations. Specifically, the nation that I chose to bless is Nicaragua, but there's also many other nations. 
And I've chosen this Christmas season from Revival Way that we're going to feed 1,000 kids this Christmas. Normally we feed 25. This Christmas we're feeding 1,000 kids. And if you want to join me, the different ways that you can help us to feed 1,000 different kids financially is through Venmo, through Cash App, through PayPal, at Revival Way. So if you have a heart for the gospel to reach the nations, if you have a heart for hungry kids to be blessed this Christmas, those are the different ways that you can help out. As you can see on the screen right now on YouTube, you can also go to my website, RevivalWay.com, and you can become a monthly partner there. Anybody that becomes a monthly partner at $100 or more a month, what I do is I send you this book that changed my life, the seven laws that you must honor in order to have uncommon success, and I add you to a private Zoom session that we do every single month where I give you tips and tricks on evangelism, on social media, how to increase, how I reached 1.8 million followers in just over a year's time and how you can do it too. The last one the last one that we did was unbelievable. It was fire. So again, I'll reiterate, if you have a heart to see the gospel go to the nations, if you have a heart to see hungry kids fed, this is how you can help out this year. I like it because they just sent me this post-it thing in the mail and it says, Jesus loves you. And it quotes Luke chapter 2, verses 10 and 11. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all the people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem. And then it's got this little thing that says Merry Christmas. Such a blessing. Again, if you want to go check out their organization, they're called Feed the Hungry. So we're going to feed 1,000 kids this Christmas, and you can be a part of it. If you'd like to, uh, to bless us that way, you can see the different ways on your screen. If you're on Instagram and you can't see the different ways to give, once this is posted, they will be in the description below. The Venmo is at Revival Way, one word. Cash App is dollar sign Revival Way. PayPal is also at Revival Way. Thank you ahead of time for your giving. We love you and we're blessed by it tremendously. Now, let's get into our message. Why alcohol will destroy your life. Now, a lot of people, especially Christians, will get defensive and they'll say, Hey, my brother James on TikTok. Good to see you, brother. God bless you. A lot of Christians immediately will get defensive and they will say, Well, Jesus turned water into wine and Paul wrote to Timothy and said, Timothy, drink a little bit of wine to uh, help the ailments in your stomach, and they'll give every reason possible to defend the drinking of alcohol. But I'm going to show you how there are so many more Bible verses that tell you not to drink alcohol, in fact, to run away from it, that it's frightening. Hey, Elisa, love you. So let's talk about it. Let's get into it. This is a topic that tends to offend a lot of Christians. But I want to let you know, I'm not preaching on it just to make Christians mad. I'm not preaching on it to make anybody mad. If it offends you, like the old saying says, if the shoe fits, take it off because it's not your shoe to wear. The Bible is your shoe to wear. So if this is the reality in your life and you're addicted to strong drink, you like alcohol, alcohol's become a normal thing in your life, I'm going to show you why it will destroy your life. The Bible's never been wrong. It will never be wrong. And I've had very close personal encounters with what it is that alcohol does. So we're going to go over a handful of scriptures. Get your notebook out. Get your highlighters out. Join me tonight for the next hour or so. And I want you to stick around to the end 
Somebody's going to have to remind me. Uh, I don't have a pen with me. Well, whoever sticks around to the end, remind me to share what we're going to start doing for the Christmas season because I have a surprise for everybody. Actually, you know what? I'll just share it right now. Why not? And I'll just believe that you guys are going to stick with me to the end. So starting either this week or next week, Revival Way, we're going to set up this whole studio with a Christmas setup. We're going to have Christmas music and stuff, and we're going to hang out at the end of these live streams. I'm going to kick it with you. I'll answer your questions when we're done doing the teaching and stuff. And every week, I'm going to pick one night of that week. I don't know when it'll be. It might be just spontaneous. And I'm going to give away Christmas presents. So you don't want to miss these live streams because I'm going to choose one night each week where we get your address and I'll just pick a random person. We'll either have you call in or we'll have you shoot a text in or something like that. We're going to make it a lot of fun and I'm going to give away Christmas presents. It's going to be so much fun. It won't just be one person. I'm sure we'll have like two or three people every single week where I pick fun, cool Christmas presents, like maybe powerful books that have changed my life. We'll wrap them up all cute. I'll have the ladies on the team send them to you. And uh, it's going to be a blast. So do not miss these live streams because you could miss out on a fun Christmas present. And they're not going to be like cheap Christmas presents where I get you like a nice little card and I just say, we love you from Revival Way. Even though that would be great and it'd be meaningful, I'm going to get you something that will genuinely bless you. I might send somebody like a Louis Vuitton purse or something. You never know. I might get crazy. When you get in the anointing and God starts to flow and your faith gets built up, you do some crazy stuff. So you want to stick around for these live streams. All right, let's get into it. Go to Proverbs chapter 23 with me and let's get started. Now, a lot of people might say, well, why the heck are you going to give away Christmas presents on your live stream? Shouldn't you just be preaching? Absolutely. We're going to preach. Don't you worry. That's right. Sarah said the girls would love that. The girls would love a Louis Vuitton purse. I'm sure they would. Something like that. A lot of people would say, now why would you go on there and start giving away presents and stuff? Because the Bible says God so loved the world that he gave. God's a giver. And generosity is key. When you love, one of the first fruits of love is to give. God is a radical giver. He's a blesser. So I want to come on here, and every week we're going to give away Christmas presents, and it's going to be fun. You're going to be blessed. I'm going to be blessed. The Bible says it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. So I want to be blessed, and I want to bless you with stuff. It's good to see everybody on YouTube. Stephen, is this? Hey, awesome. Mike, good to see you, Mike. Chantal, good to see you. Sharna, hello. Awesome. We got a great crowd tonight. Over 100 on TikTok. We got over 20 on Instagram. I don't know how many we got on YouTube, but people are going to be blessed tonight. This is going to be a lot of fun. Proverbs 23. Let's start in verse 19. Now, the book of Proverbs is the book of wisdom. It's written by, other than Jesus, the smartest man that's ever walked the planet. God downloaded his own wisdom into Solomon, the son of King David. So Solomon wrote the book of Proverbs as if it were God writing to you as a Christian. As a child of God, these Proverbs are wisdom from God's Holy Spirit directly to you to live your life by so that you have success. The entire book of Proverbs explains how if you obey these, you will have success in your life. 
Proverbs 23, starting in verse 19. Hear, my son, and be wise, and direct your heart in the way. Be not among drunkards. I want you to highlight that. Verse 20. Do not be among drunkards or among gluttonous eaters of meat. For the drunkards and the gluttons will come to poverty. I want you to highlight that. And slumber will clothe them with rags. Listen to your father who gave you life. And do not despise your mother when she is old. Buy truth and do not sell it. Buy wisdom, instruction, and understanding. The father of the righteous will greatly rejoice. He who fathers a wise son will be glad in him. Let your father and mother be glad. Let her who bore you rejoice. My son, give me your heart and let your eyes observe my ways. For a prostitute is a deep pit. An adulteress is a narrow well. She lies in wait like a robber and increases the traitors among mankind. Who has woe? Who has sorrow? Who has strife? Who has complaining? Who has wounds without cause? Who's ha who has redness of eyes? Those who tarry long over wine. Verse 30, highlight that. Those who go to try mixed wine. Do not look at wine when it is red, when it sparkles in the cup and goes down smoothly. In the end, it bites like a serpent and stings like an adder. Your eyes will see strange things and your heart utter perverse things. You will be like one who lies down in the midst of the sea, like one who lies on the top of a mast. They struck me, you will say, but I was not hurt. They beat me, but I did not feel it. When shall I awake? Now that's a lot. I want you to highlight that. Verses 20 through 35 out of Proverbs chapter 23. Those verses, those 15 verses or so, are packed full of destruction. And everything in it has to do with alcohol. Immediately, the Lord precurses everything. With saying, don't be around people that get drunk. And don't be around people that are gluttonous. Eating and drinking. That's all they do all the time. They just eat and drink. They eat and drink. They eat and drink. I remember when I was in college. It's all people wanted to do. Hey, let's go to Buffalo Wild Wings. Get some beers. Let's go to the bar tonight. We'll get some fries, get some beers. Hey, let's go do this. We'll get some beers. Let's go to the football game. Let's get some beers. Let's go here. Let's go there. Let's get some food and get some beers. It's all about drinking and all about eating. The Bible says beware of crowds like that. If you remember in Psalm chapter 1, it says, Do not sit, stand, or walk with sinners and wicked people. It's important who you sit with. It's important who you walk with. It's important who you stand with. The Bible is very clear that who you are with becomes who you are. When you spend your time around drinking, around going and being around lustful environments, covetous environments, that is who you will become. But if you're listening to me right now, the beautiful thing about God's word is truth, when it gets inside of you, is written on your heart. It's impossible to forget truth. For example, the moment that somebody told you that stealing was wrong, did you ever forget it? No, you didn't. It's impossible to forget truth. When you know what God's word says about alcohol, you will run from it. You won't, <laughs> you won't try to make some excuse with, oh, I just had a beer. Oh, I just had a glass. Oh, I don't do this. Or I'm not like everybody else. I don't go to the bar and get drunk like everybody else. I just go and hang out. I'm the DD. You'll start making excuses like that. But once you know what God's word says, you won't be in that group. You won't be a part of the people that even associates with it. Remember, the New Testament says, give no foothold to the devil. 
And in Thessalonians, it says, abstain from all appearance of evil. That means don't even be in atmospheres that are like that. Now, a lot of people say, well, Jesus hung out with tax collectors. Jesus hung out with drunkards. Jesus hung out with, with gluttons. You're right. They called him a drunkard. They called him a glutton. 100%. But Jesus didn't drink with them. Well, I guess Jesus drank wine. I guess we don't really know. There's no specific Bible verse that says Jesus drank wine. He did quote and say that the Son of Man comes drinking and eating. So I guess you could, you could use that verse. But... The, there's a good old uh, cliche saying that Jesus did sit with sinners, but he didn't sin with sinners. When you have the revelation that Jesus had and the power of holiness and you're able to take those people and you've got results, if you've gone into the bar and you've pulled a dozen out at least, if you got 12 guys that were living wicked lives, but now they're following you totally sold out for God, then I'll believe you. But the reality is, most of the people that try to justify it have not even pulled one person out of the bar scene. But yet they think they're doing something good by being the DD. They're not. They're compromising. Someone said, so is drinking wine bad? I'll let you decide after we keep reading these verses. Well, let's, let's reread what we just read. Proverbs 23. In verse uh, 30. Those who tarry long over wine, those who go to try mixed wine. Do not look at wine when it is red, when it sparkles in the cup and goes down smoothly. In the end, it bites like a serpent and stings like an adder. So the Bible says at first, when you partake in drinking, it might just be a beer. It might just be a glass of wine. It might just be a shot. It might start small and it might seem innocent. But in the end, it stings like a scorpion, it says. It will bite you like a serpent. You know, the way that the devil uses alcohol is very rarely does he just come like out of left field and just take a bottle of Jack Daniels and crack you over the head with it to where your life is toast. It normally starts very small and it increases over time. If you've ever watched somebody's life who's been destroyed by alcohol, it didn't start with them going from never drinking to doing keg stands. That's never how it ends up. It always ends up with, well, my buddy convinced me once I turned 21 that having a beer was all right. When you turn 21, going to a restaurant, going to a bar and having one drink isn't going to kill you. It's legal. Well, God doesn't function on the legal system of America. God functions off of his word. And we as Christians function off of his word. If the Bible says that we should avoid alcohol then we should avoid alcohol altogether. And I'll show you, as we keep reading these verses, the results of what alcohol actually does in people's lives. And I'll give you personal examples from, from experiences that I've had as well. But it never just comes out and overtakes your life immediately. The devil will use alcohol slowly but surely to invade your life until eventually it has such a tight grip on you that you can't shake it loose, just like every other addiction. It starts small and it creeps in the more that you give room to it. It will start with a beer every month and then a beer every other week. And then I'm only drinking a beer during the football game on Sunday. And then all of a sudden it's like, ah, if I just have a six pack on the weekends, it's not that big of a deal. And then not only that, it starts leading to you having arguments with your wife. And then one day you have one too many drinks and she makes you mad and you had a long week at work and you accidentally hit her because you weren't being yourself. 
And then your kids get taken away from you. Your wife divorces you. You lose half your money. And you'll watch how alcohol will slowly but surely creep in and destroy your life. Hey, brother Colton, I love you. That's exactly right. Someone said they're called spirits at the liquor store for a reason. That's right. When you drive by a liquor store, it says you can come buy wine and spirits. The spirit behind alcoholism, its name is ghoul. You can do your own research on it, but it's very deep and it's very profound. There's somebody that's extremely close to me, who multiple people actually, but this, this particular person, I, I know very, very well, and I watched his life crumble before his eyes because of alcohol. And this man had a great future ahead of him. He was involved in the fire department in California at a young age. He had a, and when you're, when you're involved, when you're a firefighter in California, you make great money. Like some of them, $200,000, $300,000 a year. And he had a great future, but he liked to drink. And it didn't, like I said, he didn't just start doing keg stands out of high school. It started with one beer when he was like 12 years old. And then as he got through high school, it increased to drinking on the weekends with his buddies. And then once he got to the age where he was in the fire academy and getting ready to step into a full-time position where his life would be set, he ended up drinking and driving one night and he got a DUI or a 502 these days. And then they forgave him, but it happened again. And they finally kicked him out. And ever since that, his life crumbled. He ended up getting into intense drugs and it just got terrible but he sobered up he sobered up for about eight years there was an eight-year period where he stepped away from alcohol stepped away from drugs he got married he had beautiful daughters uh he had a son he had like this awesome family and uh he moved he got away from this these old friendships these old relationships removed alcohol removed drugs from his life but things started getting stressful he had bills to pay he was working three jobs him and his wife weren't getting along. So he went to the bar one time and he had a beer with his buddies. And that one beer put him into a backslidden position and he went way off the deep end. Jesus said specifically in the gospel of John, I believe, he said that when the house is cleaned, being you, when evil spirits are removed from your house, from your body, from your being, you need to make sure that you fill the house with the Holy Ghost because those spirits will go wander waterless areas and come back. And when they do, they come back with seven other spirits stronger than themselves. And that's what happened to this man. He got set free from alcoholism and drug addiction. But when that spirit came back around years later, he fell seven times harder than he had originally. He, lost, he ended up beating his wife. He lost his wife. He lost all of his children. And to this day, he is dead broke, barely, barely surviving. Uh, I, I don't know what his alcoholism is like, but I know he spent 10 years homeless in Hawaii, not able to, to take care of himself or anybody else. He lived homeless for 10 years, finally got his act together a little bit, but to this day, he has not recovered and he's in, he's, he's got to be about 60 years old now. The past 40 years of his life have been nothing but turmoil because of the effects of alcohol. Wow, if I keep preaching at this rate, we're never going to get through this. I got a lot of scripture. All right, now go to Proverbs chapter 20, verse 1. It says, wine is a mocker, strong drink a brawler, and whoever is led astray by it is not wise. I want you to type in the comments, say, I am wise. I am wise. 
Wine is a mocker and beer is a brawler. Anyone that partakes in it is unwise. The Bible says out of the mouth of God, when you drink alcohol and you indulge in it, you are unwise. I was telling somebody recently how I've never heard anybody come up to me and say, you know, Talon, the day I started drinking alcohol, my life got so much better. Never once and you never will. There was a pastor friend of mine that I know, a great man of God. He's uh, over 70 years old. He's served the Lord for 40 years. And he said, Talon, after pastoring for 40 years, I've never had a couple come into my office and say, you know, Talon, the moment that we started drinking, our marriage got amazing. All of a sudden, when we started drinking, we loved each other more. Our money was blessed. Everything in our life got better. Never, not once, he said, in 40 years. And you never will. You will never hear anybody come and say to you, the moment that I started drinking, my life got better. Because it doesn't. It's from the devil. It's evil. There's things in this world that are evil, and there's things that are holy. The things that are holy and righteous and will bless you come out of this book. The things that are not holy, that are unrighteous, and that will curse you your entire life to where you're living a hell on earth are right in front of you. And we come across them every day, and alcohol is one of them. I've seen it time and time again. Time and time again. Part of my testimony is I got kicked out of college twice because I used to drink. And when I got a hold of this and I realized how straightforward God's word is about not drinking, I set it aside and my life has done nothing but gone up ever since I laid it down and never touched it again. Someone said, how do you help people who have a problem? Great question. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. The Bible says it's not by might, it's not by power, but it's by my spirit. An encounter with God's Holy Spirit will set you free forever. Forever. There was a couple of mine, or a, a couple of friends of mine, who came to a, a revival week that we were doing over here in Iowa. We had three days of meetings, and they were power-packed meetings. It was awesome. By the end of the week, we packed out the building with, uh, I don't know how many people, probably 200 people. Uh, overall, throughout the whole weekend, maybe like 300 people. It was good. It wasn't like a, a massive venue, but it was awesome. That's a lot of people to come through. And there was a couple there who, between the two of them, I believe, had been in jail over 150 times. Maybe even just one of them. I can't remember. It was it was like an absurd amount. They had both been addicted to alcohol. They had both been addicted to smoking, uh, methamphetamines, like crazy stuff. They were in bondage. But the Bible says that the spirit of the Lord is upon me to bring liberty to the oppressed, to preach the gospel, freedom to those that are oppressed, liberty to the captive, sight to the blind. The anointing of God's Holy Spirit on a preacher of the gospel will set you free from bondage. The Bible says in Isaiah 10, 27, it's the anointing, the power of God that destroys the yoke of bondage, the thing that's holding you back. So somebody that has a problem with alcoholism, somebody that has a problem with drug addiction, when you lay hands on them and you pray in Jesus' name and you command that spirit of alcoholism and the spirit of addiction to leave their life, it will obey you by the power of God's spirit. And that's what we saw with that couple. That couple came into our meeting. They both got powerly touched, or powerfully touched uh, by the spirit of God. 
and they got set free of alcoholism, set free of drug addiction, and by the end of the week, they had both stopped their smoking. It was just nuts. Their life got totally flipped upside down. And that's what the power of God's spirit can do. But I'll remind you, you got to get into a church. You got to get into a community of people that don't drink. Because if you hang out with people that are drinking all the time, you're going to end up drinking all the time. So help yourself in the areas that you can. An easy way to remember it is do what you can do and God will do what you can't do. That's why he told Paul, my grace is sufficient. You do what you're in control of. Put the bottle down, stop buying alcohol, stop going to the bar, stop hanging out with people that are drinking all the time. And in the areas where you're not able, like if you have an issue, if you're addicted, God's spirit will come and break off the addiction. But you got to take the steps to do what you're capable of doing by separating yourself from that. And God's spirit will do the rest. Amen. Amen. Let's keep going. This is going to be a long live stream tonight, but that's all right. Go to Isaiah chapter 5 with me. I was looking up Bible verses to tell people why drinking alcohol will ruin your life. And there was over 100 Bible verses that talks about why alcohol is a terrible idea. And every time I've ever talked about this, I've only heard people give me two Bible verses or maybe three tops to justify why they drink. 100 verses on why alcohol is bad for you. Three verses why alcohol is kind of acceptable. I, I mean, I didn't do the best in math, but it seems pretty obvious that the Bible swings one way really heavy. And that way is not in support of alcohol. Isaiah 5, verse 22. Woe to those who are heroes at drinking wine and valiant men in mixing strong drink. Woe to those. That word woe means destruction is coming upon a person. Their life is in utter ruin. So somebody's life is in utter ruin and destruction when they take pride in their drinking. You ever notice how uh, if you've ever been involved in the party scene or you see things like barstool sports or, or uh, you see these Snapchat stories, Instagram stories, all this stuff on social media where you see people celebrate their drinking ability. They think they're a hero because how much they can drink. Ah, you're such a lightweight. I can put down a whole handle and I'll be all right. They'll celebrate how much they can drink. Tell me where they are in 10 years. Tell me where they are in 15 years. They're still talking like that. Even though they're 50 years old, they've lost all their hair. They've got a scruffy beard. Their clothes are ripped. They still don't have a job. They lost their kids. They're paying child support. And they're still at the bar every weekend bragging to sorority girls, telling them that they can drink the most in the bar. You tell me who's living a successful life at that point. That's where they all end up. Here's someone, weird, Jesus drank wine and the church for thousands of years uses wine for communion. See, you can see how obviously arrogant people are. That I can list off a hundred Bible verses telling you why you should abstain from alcohol. And then they take two verses or they'll take something like that and use it totally out of context. For the record, just so people are historically educated, if you do your research on the wine that was used in Jesus' time, it was basically just grape juice. That's why it's called new wine. 
if you go, if you do any research, this guy's name is Andrew. Andrew, if you do any research at all, like literally Google how they would make new wine in Bible times is they would take the grape directly from the wine. They would freshly press it. That's why it's called new wine. And then they would drink the new wine. If you take a grape off of a vine right now, you freshly press it. What do you get? Grape juice. The wine that people have these days, the alcohol that America has made is fermented wine. It's fermented alcohol. That's right. They did not have a fermentation process. <laughs> oh, goodness. I, I can't get into this with this guy right now. They didn't ferment the alcohol, meaning that it didn't sit in the sugar longer so that it would be stronger. It was freshly from the vine, taken, squeezed, and drinking. I can't remember exactly who it was, but I listened to a sermon not too long ago where they actually saw the alcohol in that time compared to today. And it was something like 22 parts water to one part alcohol in those days compared to now it's like three parts water to one part alcohol. Almost, what is that, six, six and a half times stronger now than it would have been in that time. Hence why there's over a hundred Bible verses telling you to stay away from it. So the moment that somebody tries to water it down, it's because they're convicted and they want a reason to stay stuck in their way of life. All right. Now let's go to Isaiah 28. And I want to read to you about how the Lord rebuked even the priests for their drinking. Because it's what you see a lot today. There's a lot of ministers. And I think about even now, <laughs> even now in, in the town that we're in. The town that I live in right now, and there's probably people watching me right now that are going to get a little bit offended. There's been such a light push against drinking alcohol that you can see the adverse effects of it on the community. The moment that the church shut down because of COVID in, uh, in these towns, they're all open again now, praise the Lord. But the moment that there was a little bit of a shift in the spiritual atmosphere because of COVID, two brand new bars have popped up in our area. In our area where there's only been one bar, I believe, to the best of my knowledge. There's been other restaurants where you can get alcohol, but there's only been one bar. Now there's two new bars, a brand new brewery and a coffee shop is serving alcohol as well for football games and such. Just crazy. You can see how the devil will creep in with alcohol to destroy people's lives. Isaiah 28 verses 1 through 7. Listen to this. Ah, the proud crown of the drunkards of Ephraim and the fading flower of its glorious beauty, which is on the head of the rich valley of those who overcome, of those overcome with wine. So sarcasm immediately out of the mouth of God. Ah, the proud crown, like this guy in, in the Instagram comments, this Andrew guy, how he thinks he's proud because there's been people in the church that have drinking alcohol for so many years and Jesus turned water into wine. Ah, the proudness of drinking alcohol. He said, ah, the proudness of the crown of the drunkards and the fading flower of its glorious beauty, how it's a beauty that's fading. Behold, the Lord has one who is mighty and strong, like a storm of hail, a destroying tempest, like a storm of mighty overflowing waters. He casts down to the earth with his hand. The proud crown of the drunkards of Ephraim will be trodden underfoot. So God says right there, those that take pride, in drinking, and they try to justify every opportunity that they can to drink, will be trampled underfoot. And the fading flower of its glorious beauty, which is on the head of the rich valley, 
will be like a first ripe fig before the summer when someone sees it. He swallows it as soon as it is in his hand. In that day, the Lord of hosts will be a crown of glory, a diadem of beauty to the remnant of his people, and a spirit of justice to him who sits in judgment, and strength to those who turn their battle at the gate. These also reel with wine and stagger with strong drink. The priest and the prophet reel with strong drink. They are swallowed by wine. They stagger with strong drink. They reel in vision. They stumble in giving judgment. And I'll just stop there. You can go read all of Isaiah 28 is a rebuke from the Lord because even the priests had found themselves getting drunk. Even the priests had began to indulge in drinking alcohol. And that's why this is such a sensitive topic. That's why you'll have people in the comments just blowing it up, giving every excuse in the world why they should be allowed to drink alcohol. Because people love liquor. They love the spirit of ghoul more than the Holy Spirit. That's why the Bible says, don't be drunk on wine, but instead be being filled with the Holy Spirit. You don't get to choose to be drunk on alcohol and drunk on the Holy Spirit at the same time. You don't get both of them. You have to make a decision in your life. I want Jesus or I want to, or I want access of alcohol. We'll just put it that way. So you read how the Lord begins to rebuke the priests in Isaiah 28 because they had chosen to indulge in alcohol. And it says because of it, even their judgment is off. Everything that they do is faulty because they've decided to indulge in alcohol. I remember a story not too long ago about this kid that I used to work with. And this kid that I used to work with had never drinking in his life. He lived a good life. He was an awesome athlete. He served the Lord. He loved God. He honored the Lord with his body. But one day when he was in high school, he saw his pastor come out of a Walmart with a case of beer. And when he saw his pastor come out of the Walmart with a case of beer, he justified in his head that because his pastor was drinking, he was allowed to drink. And he started to drink. And all of a sudden, he had a reason to not take alcohol seriously anymore. It wasn't long after that, a couple of months uh, later, I can't remember if he got arrested or he almost got arrested. He got in trouble at school. He got in trouble with his parents. He got in major trouble because he got so drunk that he couldn't even control himself. He couldn't open his eyes. He was falling all over the place. His friends had to hold him up. He was puking all over the place. There's an old saying that says, what leaders make acceptable in a little, people will make acceptable in a lot. So what your parents make room for in a little, it's just a glass of wine before bed, your kids will make acceptable in excess. It'll go from just a glass of wine to just a bottle of wine. It'll go from just a beer to just a 12-pack. And there's a lack of conviction because people don't know what the Bible says about alcohol. But I want to let you know right now, there's no person that's too far gone there's nothing in your life that's too far removed that God can't redeem, change, transform, and fill you with his Holy Spirit right now to where he will curse the very taste of alcohol off of your lips forever. The same way that he did with me and the same way that he's done with so many other. God will take the different areas that alcohol has ruined in your life and he will restore them, he will bless them, and he will take you higher if you're willing to lay it down and serve the Lord with your life even today. It's not too late. God has a plan to take those wicked things that the devil tried to use in your party days. The wicked things that happen. There's, there's people that get drunk and they sleep with somebody. They commit adultery. There's people that drink and they get an STD. 
There's people that uh, they get drunk one night, they have a one night stand and they have a kid. All of these things that have caused torment in your life because of alcohol, God will set you free. And God will take what the enemy meant for evil and he'll flip it for good. I've seen it time and time again. You are not too far gone. God will redeem you even now in Jesus' mighty name. That's right. My buddy Caesar said, I don't even want it anymore. I want Jesus. He was set free from alcohol. Amen. Praise the Lord. When you taste and see that the Lord is good, you'll never want to touch liquor again. <laughs> you'll be totally content with grape juice. Amen. All right. So I covered what the Old Testament says about it. Now let's cover what the New Testament says about it. Go to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. Ah, Andrew said Reformed Baptist. If you're referring to yourself, that makes a lot of sense. It's always the Calvinists that tend to like their beer. They always get the most angry when you preach on it too. Ephesians chapter 5. Verse 18. And do not be drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Like I had mentioned at the beginning, yeah, he said, I love my beer and my bourbon. I know you do. I can tell. <laughs> Trust me. The Lord sees it too. Don't you worry. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Everything that is in the natural and everything that God has created, the devil has a counterfeit for. The devil does not create. The devil makes counterfeits of everything that God creates. So God has his Holy Spirit and he gives you the ability to be filled and that the word actually uses be continuously filled in the Greek to continuously be filled with God's Holy Spirit that you might have. What is the kingdom of God? It's not meat nor drink, but it is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. God gives you the ability to live a righteous life with peace and joy and all the fruits of the Spirit by be being filled with the Spirit. Or you can choose debauchery, which is alcohol. Now, a lot of people will say, all right, where do you draw the line with being intoxicated, with being drunk? Because it says, don't be drunk with wine but be being filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, the moment that you try to ride the line with sin, I can guarantee you your heart is in a bad position. I've had many of these conversations with many people, and the number one thing they'll always say is, it says don't be drunk. One glass is not going to make me drunk. You're right, it probably won't. Some people it will. I've seen a lot of people get drunk off one glass. But if you're right, which you could be, you probably won't get drunk off of one glass. But if you're willing to risk your salvation, your eternity, your love for God with either living a lifestyle of sin or serving the Lord wholeheartedly and obeying his word and being filled with his spirit and rejecting it, then that's all you. If you're willing to let your relationship with God ride on that line, then hey, you go for it. There's only so much I can do. As for me in my house, I will serve the Lord. I will take every Bible verse that he gives me and I will put it to good use. And if he says, don't be drunk with wine, it's debauchery. Anything that's debauchery will stay far away from me. I will not brag that I like my beer. I will not brag that I enjoy my bourbon. 
I will brag about how I want nothing to do with this world and I only want things to do with God and His Holy Word and His Holy Spirit. That's the lifestyle I will choose to live. And I believe if you're watching me right now, you're the kind of person that's going to draw that line in the sand. You're going to choose to live a life holy, set apart, separate from the world because people will look to you. People don't look to someone as a leader when they take pride in the fact that they're willing to ride the line of God's Word. Nobody follows a leader like that. People follow a leader that says, I'm willing to turn my back on everything in this world. And I'm willing to go head on with the giant. I'm willing to walk around the walls of Jericho. I'm willing to do everything in my power to obey God's word and never even make it look like I could be partaking in evil ways. God wants a person sold out for him. Now, am I saying if you drink alcohol, you'll miss heaven? No. I'm not saying that, but I'll tell you what, if you want to be mightily used by God, you better put down the bottle. There's a reason God told Samson not to drink alcohol and John the Baptist, two mighty men that were used of God to lead entire nations, to make a way clear for the Lord is what John the Baptist's job was. If you want your life to be one where you make a clear path for God to move, you better, you better abstain from it. Put it aside. Don't have anything to do with it. Don't let it touch your lips. Don't let it come near your house. Because even though you'll see people, you'll see Christians, you will see Christians that will try to brag, they'll try to take pride in the fact that they do like their alcohol and that I go to church every Sunday, brother, and, and I still have my beer. I, they'll, they'll try to, but I promise you right now, you compare the life of somebody who's a Christian and on fire for God that doesn't drink and somebody who even has a beer a week, you let me know who's more on fire. The proof is in the pudding. Find the people with the fruit. Find the people with the fruit. There's people out there that live holy, consecrated, vessels of honor for God. And they're the ones that are leading people. And if you're listening to me right now, you're going to be somebody that leads many people. You're going to be the person in your family and in your generation that decided to break the mold. You're not going to be just another person that has to go to rehab. You're not going to be just another person who your whole family says you're going to end up like this person. You're going to end up like your parents. You're going to end up like that. You don't have to be that person. You can choose right now to draw a line in the sand and say, I want nothing to do with this world. I want Jesus and only Jesus. And that's all you'll get. And you'll get filled with the Holy Ghost day and night. And your life will never be the same. God will use you to shake your family God will use you to change your town, your school, your business, your state, even your nation when you put that stuff down. Amen. Go to Galatians chapter 5 with me. Verse 21. We'll start in uh, verse 19. Now the works of the flesh are evident. And just so you know, the works of the flesh are sinful to God. The Bible calls alcoholism, drunkenness, a work of the flesh. So people that take pride in that, they take pride in the flesh. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies and things like these things like these taking pride in drinking is a thing like this 
I warn you as I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. I want you to highlight that. Those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Enviness, drunkenness, sexual immorality, and things like these. It says drunken parties. Things like these. Anything in that manner. When you look like the world, the Bible says in the book of James, if you are a friend of the world, meaning that the world gets drunk and you drink with them, you're a friend of the world. It says that you are at enmity with God. Be weary of those people. People that are friends with the world are at enmity with God. And you can look, you can look at their life, and it's, it is so evident. There's not been one man or woman of God that drinks on the weekends where I'm like, yeah, I really want their life. I've, I've yet to find one, and you never will. You're not going to find somebody who lives that kind of lifestyle. Even people that aren't born-again Christians are smart enough to know that alcohol is a destroyer. So it shows you, it doesn't take much brains to put aside the beer and the bourbon. It really doesn't. It doesn't even take a born-again Christian in God's word to know that alcohol does no good for you. You're just blessed enough to know that God's word forewarns you ahead of time that alcohol will do nothing but destroy your life. It will not bring any benefit or glory to the kingdom of God, which is your job as a Christian. All right, 1 Corinthians chapter 6. So we know that it says you should have nothing to do with alcohol. This will help you with the people you're around. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, starting in verse 9. Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? So we're talking about how the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God. And these are people that are unrighteous in the eyes of God. Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. So when you're sanctified, the Bible says that you were a drunkard. You used to drink. When you're sanctified, that's removed from your lifestyle. When you get baptized in the Holy Ghost and you receive the power of the Holy Spirit and you taste and see that God is good, you will be set free from alcohol. And it says, don't even be around people that have things to do with that. You can go, get them saved, bring them to church, but do not make that part of your company. Now let's go back to Galatians 5. Well, no, we just read that. We'll go to Luke 21. Luke 21, and I'll leave you on this, and then I'll pray for people. Here is one of the most powerful reasons, if missing the kingdom of God wasn't enough. <laughs> Here's another powerful reason. Why? Christians should not have anything to do with alcohol. Luke 21, verse 34. Jesus says, watch yourselves. But watch yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and cares of this life. 
and that day come upon you suddenly like a trap. For it will come upon all who dwell on the face of the earth. But stay awake at all times, praying that you may have strength to escape all these things that are going to take place and stand before the Son of Man. So Jesus says, don't fall into depression, anxiety, the dissipation of this life. Don't let the weight of this world put you in a position to where you need alcohol for an escape, where you need to go to the bar, where you need to have these different avenues for peace in your life. Instead, he says, rely on me. Otherwise, it'll come like a thief in the night when Jesus comes back and you'll be asleep in your lull of drunkenness. So amongst all the other reasons about missing the kingdom of God, about how poverty will come upon you, destruction comes upon your life from alcoholism. He says, if anything, remember this, don't be stuck doing those things and in this lifestyle when I come back. Jesus could come back at any moment, like a thief in the night. And what did he say before he went home? Don't let me come back and catch you drinking your beer and putting down your bourbon. What is he going to catch you doing when he comes back? And I don't, for the record, I don't want this to sound condemning. I'm just making a point for somebody. The Lord will set you free. When Jesus comes back to rapture the church, what is he going to find you doing? Is he going to find you leading people to Jesus? Is he going to find you studying the word? Is he going to find you praying? Is he going to find you plugged in with solid community? Or is he going to find you putting down that beer and sipping on that bourbon? What is he going to find? How do you want to be found? As for me and my house, we will be found serving the Lord. I won't be enslaved to a bottle. Not a chance in my life. There was a time in my life where I was. And I'm so thankful that Jesus Christ set me free. Because the Bible says that God is no respecter of persons. What he's done in one man's life, he'll do in another life. What God's done in my life, he will do in your life. If you've struggled with alcoholism and you need freedom, you can have it today. Even as I pray for you right now, even as this word has gone forth, God's spirit will destroy the chains of bondage in your life. The very chains that have held you back from his presence. Alcohol will hold you back from the presence of God. And it shouldn't be tampered with. You know, you think about all the examples in the word. What happened to Noah when he had a little beer and a little bourbon? Found himself getting drunk. And his son looked upon his nakedness and it brought great shame to Noah. Great shame. And because of that, Canaan was cursed with a curse. Drunkenness, alcohol brings curse on you and your family. You know, if you read all these stories of unbelievable revivals, great moves of God that shook the planet. You think about the Welsh revival. Oh my goodness. If you study revivals, what happened in Wales during the Welsh revival, hundreds of thousands of people brought to the Lord. It spread all the way to Azusa Street and all over the planet. It was a mighty move of God. And you read other people's journals and their diaries about what was happening in, in that day and age. And they said, the spirit of God was so potent, so thick in Wales, that even the bars, when people would go and try to get a beer, they couldn't get the mug off the counter because the Holy Spirit would not allow it to enter their bodies. It was such a holy atmosphere. It said all the bars shut down. All the miners even stopped cursing. Did you know that they had to get new donkeys and new horses to pull the coal mine equipment because they only understood people that cursed 
because the coal miners would curse. But they got radically born again. When you get a touch from heaven, you don't brag about beer and bourbon. You don't brag about how you live close to wickedness. You brag about holiness. You brag about righteousness. You brag about how all you want to do is praise the Lord and exalt his name. And you want nothing to do with all those things in the world. That's what happens when God's spirit moves on an individual and on a nation. And think about Charles Finney. When Charles Finney helped to lead the second great awakening, one of the greatest moves of God to ever hit the planet, especially in America. When he was in Rochester, New York, the same thing happened. The power of God hit Rochester, New York so powerfully that it said that all the bars shut down and even the police got, uh, I guess we would call them laid off. Even the police got laid off because crime rates had gone out the window. Nobody wanted to go to the bar. Nobody was bringing back 12 packs from Walmart. People wanted to be in church. People wanted to be praising the Lord. And I want you to know right now, I strongly feel it. If you're listening to me right now, God is going to do such a move in you and such a move in your family that you won't even consider letting alcohol into your life. Those of you that have struggled with it before, it's brought calamity to you. It's brought depression. It's brought poverty. It's brought nothing good to you. Tonight is the night that you draw a line in the sand and you never pick it up again. Tonight is the night that by the Spirit of God, you receive the grace to walk out of it and never backslide ever again in Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' mighty name. And I want to pray for people right now. If you're one of those, if you're one of those people like my friend on Instagram that's been just causing a ruckus, if you're one of those people that you've found yourself enslaved to beer, to wine, to strong drink, like the Bible calls it, if you know that you have a problem and you're humble enough to admit it, and you say, I want to step away from it, I want to go all in with God, anything in my life that could cause an issue between me and God, I don't want it there. If you're a person that chooses that right now, by the Spirit of God, He will come and remove that from your life. And the Bible says if you'll submit yourself to God, and you'll resist the devil, God will draw near to you as you draw near to him. Right now, you can choose tonight that you want to make a decision to draw even nearer to God. That tonight's the night that you want to be set free from alcoholism. Set free from the beer and the bourbon. Set free from those things that the world takes pleasure in. If that's you tonight, I want to pray for you. And watch God touch your life. God will do a mighty work in you. I've seen him do it time and time and time again. Jesus loves you. And Jesus is so ready for you to take that next step to receive freedom and watch how your life will be blessed. Watch how God will take you to places you've never been before and watch how you'll receive righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. So if that's you right now, I want you to believe God with me. There's no distance in the spirit. As I pray for you right now, we can believe God to show up and he will and he'll destroy the addiction off of your life. You know, when I was a young boy, I, I got addicted to nicotine. And I always justified it. And it's, it's not my dad's fault, but my dad used to chew all growing up. So I thought it was cool. Like I wanted to be like my father. So I wanted to chew tobacco. And when I got into college, I got involved with nicotine. I would put pouches in my mouth and jeweling and stuff like that. And once I hit uh, 18 in some states, but 21 in others, when it was legal, it was totally cool. I justified it completely. So I would have pouches in my mouth and I was addicted to nicotine. Even when I got born again and I was going through the sanctification process, I couldn't kick the addiction of nicotine. It was too strong on me. I couldn't do it in my own strength. So I went to a revival meeting. And when I went to a revival meeting, a guy preached just like this to me. 
And when he preached, I believed that when he prayed for me, God would set me free. And that man prayed for me. And I never touched nicotine again. I got totally set free. The addiction left. It was like I didn't have cravings for it anymore. Totally set free. And what God did for me in that day, God will do for you right now with alcohol and any other addiction in your life. So if you need prayer, I want to pray for you right now. Close your eyes and lift your hands up toward heaven. As I pray, the power of God is going to come upon you right now. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you that your word has gone forth tonight and that you've watched over it to perform it. That by your spirit, by the anointing of the Holy Ghost, you destroy yokes of bondage. Right now, in Jesus' name, I command every alcohol addiction, every nicotine addiction, every addiction that has plagued these people, it is broken off of their life now in Jesus' mighty name. And it never returns. And we thank you that you're the God that answers prayer. That they are free. And your word says, whom the Son sets free is free indeed. That they receive their freedom tonight in Jesus' mighty name. I command every spirit of addiction to leave your life and never return in the name of Jesus. And if you received it, you type amen in the comments. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord, for freedom. You know, the Bible says where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. There is liberty. When God's spirit dwells in you, you are set free from all those things in the world. Jesus paid the price for you to be free. Amen. And we praise him for it. God bless you, everybody on YouTube. Yalitza, Charles, Vera. Amen. Amen. There is freedom in the name of Jesus Christ. You guys are awesome. This has been a great night. Like I said, this isn't a topic that a lot of people like to hear. Especially not Christians. It's a tough one. And I'll tell you what. If you like having a beer or you like having wine, like I said, my job is not to condemn you. I'm just preaching what the word says. That there's freedom from alcoholism. And that alcohol will bring poverty and destruction into your life. But it doesn't have to be the case with everybody. You can be free from it. You can live a peaceful life. And that's the whole point. And I wanted you to know that God has great plans for you. God has great plans for you. If you want to be used mightily of God, and I know that everybody that's watching me right now, the reason why you watch these live streams is because you are an individual that you want God to use you mightily. Like how he used Samson. Even though Samson had backslidden, Samson had done what was wrong, God used him. Nobody's ever too far gone. You can always repent and turn in the right direction and God will use you. The same way God used John the Baptist. That's going to be your story. You're going to be the person, just like I was, where you were gone and you could not do it on your own. But God showed up. And because God showed up and he empowered you, you were free. And because you were free, God used you as a mighty vessel. That's going to be your story. And that's going to be the story of your children. That's going to be the story of your family. You're not just going to be a one and done, show up, blow in, blow up, blow out. That's not going to be the case. Your family is going to go even further than you went in Jesus' mighty name. Well, praise the Lord, everybody. I'm so glad that you guys were blessed by this. Thank you for everybody in the comments. I love you all on YouTube. I love you on TikTok. I love you on Instagram. We've had over 100 on TikTok the whole time. We've, we've got probably about 200 people watching live tonight. 
How amazing is that? What a blessing. Well, if you missed what I mentioned at the beginning of this live stream, I'm going to mention it again for you. Number one, we've got a New Year's revival meeting coming up on New Year's, December 31st, January 1st, and January 2nd. We're going to start the year 2022 with awesome Holy Ghost meetings. God is going to show up as he always does, and he's going to do what he's famous for. People are going to get healed, set free, delivered, set on fire for him, and sent back out into the community. So don't miss this revival event in Iowa. Even if you're, we've had people come from Missouri, from Texas, from South Dakota, from Nebraska, from Minnesota, whatever state you're in, get to these meetings, December 31st, January 1st, and January 2nd in Orange City, Iowa at the Triple Box. Get to these meetings. I would love to meet you personally. I love meeting when people come through. It's always a great time. And I'm so blessed by it. Now also, as you can see on the screen on YouTube, we have the different ways that you can give to the ministry. I said at the beginning, this year I've decided that Revival Way is going to feed 1,000 kids with a, a nonprofit organization called Feed the Hungry. Currently, our ministry feeds 25 kids every single day. But this Christmas, we've decided we're going to feed 1,000 kids for Christmas. So if you would like to help us feed 1,000 kids for Christmas and to help us continue to advance the gospel, here's the different ways that you can give financially to the ministry. On your screen on YouTube, you can see our website is RevivalWay.com. You can go there and click Partner Financially today. Or you can give financially through Cash App, through Venmo, and through PayPal. They're all the same. At RevivalWay.com. Just one word. Cash app is dollar sign, Revival Way. And those finances that you send in help us to keep preaching the gospel. We have massive events coming up. So not only do we have this New Year's event with Activation Church coming up, but we also have events that are planned. Right now, we're in the process of planning one for uh, Sioux Falls, South Dakota in February. In March, I want to hit Sioux City, Iowa. April, I want to go to Omaha. In May, I'm going to go back to Big Bear, California. We're going to do a massive event. It's going to be awesome. And at the end of May, we have another one at the Field of Dreams out here in Iowa. And then in July, actually, no, I'm sorry, not July. Fast forward to September, we're going to do one at Louisiana Tech University. That's the goal. So if you want to continue to see the gospel go forth, preach with signs and wonders following. If you've been blessed by this message, and if you want to help feed a thousand kids this Christmas, these are the different ways that you can give. I'll give people an opportunity to sow financially. And then I'll pray with people. That's right, Elisa. Elisa said Big Bear. Yeah, I decided while I was home in Big Bear this weekend, I just saw I saw a lot of friends and my goodness, I've just heard story after story after story of like these people that are dying. Young people that are like getting arrested. They're getting pulled over for DUIs. They're taking drugs to school. Like all this crazy stuff. And that's my job as a preacher to go in and to bring God's word and to set people free. So I've decided that this summer we're going to do an event in Big Bear. I'm going to rent the event center and we're going to pack that place full. It fits about 1,200 people. I've already been talking to people. I'm going to get connected with some churches. My buddy Nick and I and then my uncle who's a great coach. In Big Bear, we're going to start talking to people, and we're going to pack that place out. So if you want to help us shake Southern California with the gospel in Big Bear, you can help financially that way as well. And uh, while people are giving, I just want to hang out and talk to people. Carla, good to see you. 
Yalitza in Alabama, Santiago. Adrian Martinez, I love you, brother. God bless you. Alisa said, what date? I'm aiming for probably that first week of May, Alisa. Because the last week of May, we have an event in Iowa at the Field of Dreams. So people don't want to miss those. We'll have flyers and stuff ready for you. But like I said, you don't want to miss these New Year's meetings. They're going to be fire. Ilona said, I'm in North Carolina. I wish you could come. Hey, I'll go anywhere. If people invite me. If you, if you set up an event center or you get me to a church and you invite me, I'll come. If the Lord allows me to. These are just meetings that I've decided I'm going to put on. With the help of other people on my team, etc. Alright. Everybody has your giving in order. Thanks for helping us feed a thousand kids this Christmas. It's going to be awesome. Also, like I mentioned... Don't miss these live streams this week and next week all the way till Christmas. One day every week, I'm going to pick a night where I give away Christmas presents. I'm going to give away books. I'll give away things like cologne and shoes and stuff like that. It'll be, it'll be high quality stuff. It won't be lame stuff. So don't miss these live streams. They're going to be awesome. All right, let me pray for people. If those of you that are giving, let's believe God and his word. Father, I thank you for what you said in your word. That you guaranteed that those that are cheerful givers, you will bless them. You said you make all grace and all sufficiency abound in every good work at all times with all things. So I thank you for your word, and we stand on it. That according to people's faith, they will receive a hundredfold, sixtyfold, thirtyfold. Always pressed down, shaken together, and running over. And that the, the, the devourer is rebuked for our sake. In Jesus' mighty name. I join my faith with every person that's giving financially today. Thank you for the blessing that it is to give. We honor you. We love you. We worship you with our giving. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. God bless you, everybody. Also, if you're watching this or you're listening on podcast and you're not watching it live, but you're watching it after it's posted, there's no time in the spirit. So if you have faith right now to give financially to what it is that we're doing, give and you'll receive the same blessing. There's no time in the spirit. And those of you that are not partnered already with the ministry, make sure you get partnered. Anybody that partners at $100 or more a month, I send you my favorite book, The Seven Laws That You Must Honor to Have Uncommon Success in Life. And I add you to our private Zoom call that we have every single month, and they are awesome. I give you all the tips and tricks how to have success on social media and different things I've learned about uh, evangelism, etc. All that fun stuff. The last one that we had was two hours long, and I just taught the whole time, and I answered questions, so I answered people's questions. It was a blast. It was a lot of fun. So you don't want to miss it. Well, we're a little over an hour. Vero San Miguel said, I'm going to be a part of your mission. Amen. Thank you, brother. God bless you. You should come to North Carolina Central. It's a very good service. Maybe if I'm down there sometime. Well, everybody, if you're on TikTok right now, uh, make sure to go follow me on Instagram and YouTube. Very blessed by you. And we love you. Well, that is going to conclude our message for tonight.
I love you guys so much. God bless you. Don't miss tomorrow night. It's going to be fire. We're going to cover the second sin that will destroy your life. Tonight we did drunkenness, and I hope I, I got enough word in you to realize that you want nothing to do with alcohol, that today's the day you draw the line in the sand and you don't pick it up ever again. God will bless you for it. Thanks, Sarah. Blessed by you. Tomorrow, we're going to address another topic, which is very controversial and a lot of people don't like to talk about. But if you're familiar with my ministry and what we do here, I'm a big fan of talking about things that people don't like to talk about. Because it took one person telling me these things that changed my life and got me born again. So other people need to hear them too. I love you. God bless you. Peace out. Mwah! I'll see you tomorrow night. Adios, everybody.